Hey, I hope you're doing great today. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor here at Mountain Park Church. You're listening to the Mountain Park Church podcast. And I just wanted to say a few things before we dive into the content for this week. If you've been connected in with us, you know that we've been walking through this 2030 vision, Vision 2030. We have deeply sensed over the last year at that the Spirit has been preparing us for a once in a generation shift in the life of our church. And I don't say that to build hype. That's not intended to be hyperbolic language or just marketing kind of gimmick stuff. We That comes with great fear and trembling. We are on the threshold of a once in a generation shift. As the leader here and a part of our leadership circle, over the last number of months, the Spirit has been directing us into Joshua 1 to 5 and the story of Israel out of slavery, out of wilderness, across the Jordan and into the possession of God's purpose, His vision and His calling for Israel. And we just feel like the Spirit's been directing us to just sit in that and hear from Him the things that he wants to speak to us that are parallels for us in our time today. And we've been talking about this vision that we have to be these living cathedrals of the presence and power of God, these people that are burning for the presence of God, these people that are uh, bringing the kingdom of God to the earth, that we are the living place where heaven touches earth, where heaven meets and heaven invades the earth. If God is going to invade the earth with his kingdom, it's going to be through his people. We are the conduit of the kingdom of God on the earth. And he's just stirring us again with a, a fresh vision for what that could look like in our region, in the Niagara region and in different places that he's given us influence. And uh, the beginning place of that kind of kingdom renewal, the beginning place of, if you wanna use that word revival, we're, we're not using that specifically because that comes with a whole bunch of baggage for lots of reasons, for lots of you. But the, the beginning place of heaven meeting earth, of the prayer of Jesus, Father, would your kingdom come and your will be done being fulfilled, the beginning place of that, we feel, is found in the word consecration. This is actually from Joshua, I think chapter three. And as Israel is on, um, you know, in the Acacia Grove, or as it's called originally, Shittim, as they are there in the wilderness, God begins to stir and say, hey, we're moving into that place of promise where I wanna move you into a new season. You're, you're, you need to get ready to cross this flooded Jordan River in the flood stages of sort of the spring thaw, you need to cross the Jordan and begin to possess the land, the vision, and calling I have for you. And the beginning part of that was a call to prepare their provisions and a call to consecrate their lives. We are shifting now to begin talking about what consecration means. We actually believe that that is the prophetic word that God has given us for the life of our church in 2024. And I would actually want to just say that even prophetically, God is calling the body back into a season of consecration. He's calling you in your life into a season of consecration. And consecration, it means to be set apart. There's this idea that you were made actually to live an uncommon life. You were made to be set apart for God, that His calling for your life is not to be common, it's to be uncommon. And so over the next number of weeks, we're gonna unpack this idea of consecration. I think it's helpful, John Tyson talks about consecration having sort of three movements to it, cleansing, sacrifice, and dedication. We actually see parallels in the story 
of Israel as they come out of Shittim, as they move across the Jordan to Gilgal, and as they move from Gilgal to Jericho. There's uh, three movements in order to step into God's vision for their life. And so he's calling us to a season of consecration. And um, we have some uh, incredible teaching for you today from my spiritual father and mentor over the last 20 plus years of my life, Randy Friesen, as he talks about this story in Joshua and God's calling on Israel to move from the place of bondage and slavery to sin into consecration and onto divine assignments. God has a divine calling and assignment for your life, but you need to move from Shittim to Gilgal to Jericho in order to walk in that fully. That is what we are calling you to as we enter into this shift, this next seven year period in the life of our church. It's beginning with a year of consecration. Since my late teen years, uh, it was really through um, Randy's influence in my own life, um, through a number of years in short-term mission work and other things like that, that really shaped in me um, the culture of the kingdom that I carry today. Between Randy and my own dad, those, there, I grew up in a DNA, a spiritual DNA, a kingdom culture of presence, and a kingdom culture of dependence on the Holy Spirit's gifting power and presence. And um, so much of my own walk with Jesus today is due to um, the investment of Randy and Marjorie. They uh, married Rochelle and I a long time ago now, almost 20 years ago. It'll be 20 years next September. And uh, super thankful for him this morning. So uh, without further ado, let's just welcome Randy here uh, this morning with us. Why don't you come on up, Randy? Thank you, Andrew. Uh, we grew up in this community in Niagara Lake, and so this is coming home for us. And uh, my parents still live here in a uh, little community of Virgil. Uh, we've spent the last uh, visiting them the last two days, and uh, you know they're getting along in years. They're at a retirement facility called Pleasant Manor, and uh, we've there's lots of time to reminisce and tell stories and look at pictures. Our family's got an interesting story because um, when I was one year old, they put me on a plane, my parents did, and they took me to Africa, to Kenya, East Africa. And so we pulled out some of those pictures yesterday. We were just remembering, um, you know, what that whole journey was about. My dad was a school teacher, just came out of teacher's college and uh, university, and my mother was a nurse, and so... My dad had gone to a mission conference called Urbana in uh, Chicago, Illinois, 1961. A guy named Billy Graham was speaking, and he called people to give their, themselves to not just salvation, but to the purposes of God. And my dad signed a little commitment card, and for a, he signed up for a short-term mission. So when he was courting my mom, a few months later, he said, you know, uh, I made this commitment. I got to go on a short-term mission, so I want to marry you, uh, but would you be open to coming with me on that mission? In 1962, short-term meant three years, so uh, it was a thing. So she was like, really, I like you, but what are you talking about going to Africa? And uh, so I don't know if there's a, there's a photo or two, but they jumped on a plane I, I didn't really like taking pictures. That was not my thing. So anyway, always a little awkward. My dad, my sister, Roxy. Next picture, I grew up in this little community called Gazumu. Outside Fika, take a left, head toward the Abadair Mountains, and a uh, little dispensary there, clinic. My mom was a nurse. My dad was a school teacher, started the math department there. 
a lot of red dirt, and uh, my friend Sammy Wayeru, Waweru, might be the right way to say it. Anyways, we all have journeys, right? You guys have got family stories and journeys. You've been in different stages of your story. God meets us at each stage, and um, it's important to know where you've come from. It's also important to know where you're going. I want to take a look at a story in the life of Israel today from Micah chapter 6, and it's just one verse, but it opens up um, a bunch of other chapters in Israel's story, and I think God wants to use it. I know he wants to use it in our stories here today to help us stay in forward movement. Micah chapter 6, verse 5 says, My people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, plotted, and what Balaam, son of Beor, answered. Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. <clears throat> so that's a little chapter in Israel's history. They've come out of Egypt, a land of bondage and slavery. They were literally slaves. Millions of people come out, you know, moms, dads, kids. My brother, by the way, is uh, acting ambassador, charged affair for the Canadian embassy in Cairo, Egypt. He's been working the last six weeks to get Canadian citizens out of Gaza. So he's been working at opening up that corridor his wife woke up, she's an intercessor, she woke up in the middle of the night, she, God gave her this word, Operation Safe Passage. So that's what they started calling it, Operation Safe Passage. It's now known in External Affairs Ottawa as Operation Safe Passage. That's the word the Holy Spirit gave. So you got hundreds of Gaza refugees coming out from that place through Cairo, getting on planes and going to Canada, different places. I met one of those families just three days ago in Vancouver that they had met in, in the embassy in Cairo. A crazy story, I'm not going to get into it. But uh, we happened to meet this couple. My brother and sister were there as well, sister-in-law, um, were there in Vancouver as well. So refugees, that's what Israel was. Millions of refugees on the move. They end up in a place called Shittim. I didn't name it. It's in the Bible, okay? But interestingly enough, it's a place where bad things happened. Really bad things happened. A guy named Balak, a king, was threatened by all these refugees coming through his land and said, I want to put a curse on them. I know a guy who can curse, a prophetic guy, who you can hire. You know, sometimes you can misuse gifts that God gives. You realize that? You can have a gift of hearing from God and that can be distorted and misused for your own purposes. Watch out. The character container of your life is as important as the deposit that the Holy Spirit puts in it. If the character container is not strong, you can distort and even misuse and damage people with the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So be careful. The character is really important. And Balaam had some cracks in the container. He was vulnerable. Balak knew that. He sent some gifts. He called this prophet from what's now Iraq, called him over from the Babylonian area, and he called him in, and he said, these people, these refugees, give them a high place to look down, curse them. So Balaam's like, I can only do what God tells me to do. Sounds good. Tried it, three times tried to curse and said what came out of his mouth was blessing. He pronounced blessing after blessing after blessing upon God's people. But then he gave some ungodly counsel. And he said, God will not curse these people, but I know God's ways. And if you get offside with God, it's as if he, you, you got cursed, okay? So God's not gonna curse you, but I, my counsel to you is find your most beautiful women, send them into the camp, call these guys into worship of the Baal, 
And the Baal worship was a fertility god that involved sexual acts in the worship experience. So you're not just offering a sacrifice of some uh, produce or some animal, you're actually engaging in sexual intercourse. And so get your most beautiful woman in there, distort and call these guys into those kind of uh, you know, worship practices, so to speak, and you will get them offside with God, and God will, God will curse them. That worked. 24,000 people died at a place called Shittim, where the enemy literally landed on them and shat on top of these people. And that's happening today. That's happening in our culture today. True? We are inviting the enemy to defile us. We are yoking our lives to unclean spirits. We know what's right and what's wrong, but our generation is getting defiled at a place called shut up. And if you just resign yourself to that, you get stuck and you think this is your home. Now I want you to use your sanctified imagination here. Let's go on a, a bit of a physical journey, okay? Let's imagine in the room here, this right here is Shedem. This right here is Gilgal, right? This right here is Jericho. Jericho is in the promised land. Jericho is your inheritance. Jericho is where God calls you as he has promised you. This is where I want you to live. But you're not there. You're there. To get from Shittim to Gilgal, there is a huge physical barrier called the Jordan River. You go take a... I look in, uh, you know, the, the Jordan Valley today, and it's, uh, it's a stream. It's, uh, you know, in some places, it's like 20 feet, 20 feet wide. The flow rate was a lot higher a couple thousand years ago, and then once a year, the flood, the spring runoff from the mountains, Mount Hermon would come down that valley and uh, through that area, and it would overflow the banks, and it would be a major uh, a major barrier. So at the flooding of the Jordan, this is an impenetrable, impossible to cross kind of uh, barrier. So between Shittim and Gilgal is the flooded Jordan. So this is the Jordan right here, okay? Imagine this, this is a river. To get from here to here, you gotta get through the river. Gilgal means circle of stones. Circle of stones. What stones are we talking about? God said to the people, I'm going to take you through the river and I want your leaders to take 12 stones, one stone for every tribe, out of the middle of the river, out of the bottom, out of the mud. Lift those stones up, set them at Gilgal, and that's a place I want you to consecrate yourselves to God. Shittim's a place of bondage and a call to freedom. Gilgal is a place of consecration where Israel offered themselves to God. Jericho is a place where they took their assignment from God and they began to possess their inheritance. This is where they stepped into the reason God gave them breath and life, and God wants us to do the same thing. So let's go back. Shittim, the curses of sin upon our lives. Some of us think that we can sin with impunity. I was praying with an elderly man. He used to regularly access pornography across the Rainbow Bridge, who some guy just tried to blow up, I guess, a week or two ago with his car. Don't know what that was about. But anyways, he would go across regularly the Rainbow Bridge, get gas, buy pornography, okay, for decades. And as I prayed through that with him, you know what he said? 
I believed I was hurting no one. Okay? An elder in the church. I believed I was hurting no one. Not true. Not true. When you yoke yourself to unclean spirits, it defiles the people around you. It affects your marriage. It affects your children. It affects generations. You cannot live in Shittim and not defile the people around you. You are defiled and you will defile others with your thoughts, with your actions. Now, the enemy wants to curse us, but if he can get us offside with God, you know, he's done his job. I was in Tanzania earlier this year, and we spent a lot of time in East Africa, different parts of Africa, and this season we're training the next generation of mission leaders, and I've been partnering with a ministry called Global Disciples. Marjorie and I began a ministry three years ago called Listening to the Word, where we are sending, you know, just uh, a morning thought, prophetic word to hundreds of leaders, thousands of leaders actually around the world every morning. And then uh, we've been doing conferences and renewal events. But we've also been partnering with a ministry that I helped start um, 28 years ago called Global Disciples. And they've asked me to give leadership to the, the development of the next generation of leaders. So we're, we're working with 3,500 training programs right now, okay? 3,500 training programs. That's what's going on out there that are connected to this alliance of training, you know, programs, mission training programs called Global Disciples. And some of them are in Tanzania. And so I'm, I'm working with this guy in Tanzania who's, who's equipping program leaders. He's a leader of leaders. And he used to be a witch. So he's into, he's, 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 he used to cast curses on people. Crazy. And I said, well, what were you doing? His name's Peter now, but it used to be Muhammad, 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 something. Like, seriously, he's got like 12 names or, four, you know, 15 names. He can go all the way back. Each name connects to a generation in his family bloodline. He goes all the way back with these names. And his, uh, this, guy's, this guy's purpose was to kill pastors. Kill pastors, destroy churches. Very successful at it. Did that in a number of settings and then tried to kill one pastor. Uh, was unable to do it. So... Uh, like, how do you kill pastors? You, 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 you summon spirits, you send them against people, and they die. This happens. Crazy. So I said, what, what, why did it not work in this situation? He said, I don't know. This guy was, he was a man of God. He was surrounded by the glory of God. We could not get, the spirits could not get through. So because these spirits want a sacrifice, they boomerang back on them. So him and his two buddies had sent these spirits cursing these, this, this one pastor and the, the, the spirits bounced back and two of his buddies died within 24 hours. He's like, I'm next. And that put the fear of God in him. So he went to this man, this pastor, and he said, who are you? And like, basically, how do you still live? And this man said, you know, I, I walk with God. He's a humble, godly man. And the angels of God are around me. And he just gave glory to God, testified of the presence of God in his life and, and shared the gospel with my friend. And he, gave, and he gave his life to Christ. Delivered him of all his spirits, renounced his covenants. That man gave his life to Jesus and just began growing, sharing the gospel with Muslims. He's from a Muslim background. And uh, many Muslims have come to faith. He planted a number of churches throughout the whole seaboard area of Tanzania on the coast. And... Uh, it's an incredible story. But I realized that people are still practicing this thing that Balaam was asked to do, to curse God's people. That's still going on. The enemy still wants to do that. So don't willingly allow a curse to land on your life by opening up your life to strongholds of sin and darkness. Don't give the enemy a foothold in your life. So if you're living in Shittim today, today's the day that God invites you to freedom. No more compromise, no more yoking yourself 
to the powers of darkness. Jesus wants you free. He calls you out of Shittim. Now in front of you is the Jordan River, an obstacle, a challenge. For some of you, it might be the one thing you vowed never to tell anybody ever. That could feel like a flooded Jordan River, an obstacle that you cannot cross. There could be a fear in your life, a relationship, an obstacle that you know you've got to face and step into. Something needs to be confronted. This flooded Jordan River stands between where you are and where God's inviting you to consecrate your life and give yourself fully to the purposes of God. And as God spoke that word to Israel, if you look at the story, he likes to remind us of things. Joshua chapter three gives us the the fuller account. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. And after three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you'll know which way to go since you've never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Don't go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant, pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went on ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, Go and stand in the river. Tell the priests, tell the leaders. We're going to go into this impossible obstacle, and I want the leaders to lead the way. Are you listening? If you're a leader, you lead by example, you lead by stepping into the water first. You step into whatever God's speaking to you to do, you you initiate, you go for it. Leaders don't hang back and watch. Leaders initiate. Leaders lead. Are you hearing me? Step into the Jordan first. And as they stepped in, God did a miracle. He backed up the water and the Jordan River became dry ground. And millions of people walked across. That story was told all over Canaan. Every city-state, every principality, everyone saw that thing happen. And the fear of God hit all of Canaan. The entire region came under the fear of God. Because they realized they're fighting not against man, but against God. It changed the course of the battle. When the spies went into Jericho, Rahab was there, the prostitute who gave them shelter. What does she say? I heard the stories of what God did for you. I heard about it. People on the streets of Niagara Falls will hear the stories of what God does if you step into whatever the obstacles are that are in front of you and you watch God deliver you. You watch God make a way where there is no way. Our stories are not just meant for ourselves. Our stories are meant to give glory to God so that the presence of God, the fear of God, the reality of God's presence touches the streets of our city, touches the places where people have not known who God is. Our stories are not just for ourselves. They're to give glory to God. What's your Jordan River? What is your obstacle standing in the way of consecration? I remember a meeting years ago. uh, I was 20 years old. A man was speaking in Tonawanda, New York. He happened to be a, 
one of my mentors. I'd given my life to Christ a year earlier. I'd found Christ as a boy, but I had just rededicated myself to the Lord as a, a young man traveling in the Middle East. This was a Jewish elder, follower of Jesus in the church that I'd been attending in Jerusalem. He was speaking in Tonawanda. And I'll never forget that night. I had a couple of days of prayer and fasting before that. I'm working at a lumber yard in Virgil, Penner Lumber, driving truck, hauling lumber and cement and whatnot around. But I'm fasting. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's saying fast. I feel myself in a, in a place, a season of consecration where I'm giving myself intentionally the purposes of God. I literally, one, I, one time I went behind a stack of lumber. I'm making up a dump load for some, you know, some customer. And I had this, I just cried out to God. I knelt in front of this stack of lumber. Just no one could see me. I just said, God, if there's anything that you want me to do, I'm willing to do it. I give myself to your purposes in terms of vocational ministry. This is not about sin. This is about vocational calling. I don't mind delivering lumber. But if there's anything else you want me to do, I'm willing to do it. I had this prompting, start fasting. So I started fasting. This guy was speaking. I went to the meeting. That night he said, there's people here tonight whose name is Joshua. There are Joshua's in this room tonight. There are Daniel's in this room tonight. There are Esther's in this room tonight. He's explaining all of these biblical men and women who have given themselves to the purposes of God, regardless of the cost, given themselves to God and watched God do amazing things through their lives. He's talking. I'm at the back. I was vibrating with just the presence of God in my life. I was bouncing in my chair. I could hardly wait till there was some kind of a call I could respond to. I was so ready when the call came, I ran from the back. I literally ran. I did not walk. I ran to the front, and I slid into second base. There was a communion table at the front in the middle. I slid right underneath that communion table, head first slide. Seriously. And, and lay on my face before God for an hour while the Holy Spirit just ministered to me. I said, I am yours. And it's an honor to give myself to you. I want you to hear this. God does not force anyone to be involved in his kingdom ministry. No one. He's not arm twisting you. He's not forcing you. He's not bribing you. It's an honor to serve God. And it's free will. You want to do something else? Go for it. Do something else. You want to live in Shittim? Live in Shittim. You want a higher purpose for your life? Stand up and start moving. Get through the Jordan River and consecrate yourself to the living God. It's why he gave you life and purpose and breath. If you give yourself to the purpose of God, you will never regret it. Is it costly? Yes, it'll cost you everything. It's the most rewarding, fulfilling thing you could ever do. And you can do that while you're working in the business world, while you're working at Penner Lumber, while you're working in whatever capacity. It's not so much what you do, it's the transformation within you as to whose you are. From that point on, you belong to him. You know you're his. Consecration at Gilgal. What happened? Circumcision, Passover. Circumcision. Now there's a word. Okay? Can I be straightforward here? The place from which life issues physically is being misused here in Shittim. At Gilgal, you consecrate every part of your body to God as an instrument of righteousness. At Gilgal, you allow God to cut you. And you say, I give every part of my body, Romans chapter 6, as an instrument of righteousness. I die to self, and I now live for you. Have you given God every part of your body? Now, in, our, in the new covenant, we don't circumcise physically. 
It's our heart that is circumcised. It is our heart, the place from which life issues forth. I believe at Pentecost, tongues were also circumcised, the place from which life comes forth. Circumcision. So many people got circumcised, so many guys, they called the place a hill of foreskins. It's in the Bible. The hill of foreskins. Interesting name place, but there you go. Secondly, Passover. Passover. Where we recognize that God alone can deliver us from sin. We recognize that we cannot do it ourselves. Where we need a Passover lamb who atones for our sin. Passover is where God called for the blood to be applied to the three posts, right, of the Israelite homes there in Egypt. And he, the angel of death passed over. And Jesus was the Passover lamb who gave his life for us. So at Gilgal, we not only consecrate ourselves to God through offering every part of our lives to him, but we receive and we appropriate, we receive what he did for us. And we say, thank you. Your sacrifice is enough once for all. Gilgal is where we receive the freedom, the forgiveness, the consecration, the, the offering, the, the, the gift of, of, of Jesus' sacrifice for us. And so we stand in that victory that Christ won for us. Gilgal is a place of consecration. Have you done that? Amen. Your life is never the same. You're done with lesser things. Gilgal wasn't where the journey ended. It says in Joshua chapter, uh, chapter 5 there that Joshua, late at night, made a journey, a little walking journey from, uh, from Gilgal to the outskirts of Jericho. Chapter 5, verse 13. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I've now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? And the commander of the army of the of the Lord's uh, the Lord's army replied, "Take off your sandals, for the place we are standing is holy." And Joshua did so. That was not an angel; that was the that was the Lord Jesus Christ. That was the commander in chief of the armies of God. We can have lots of missions, lots of causes, lots of good things we can give ourselves to, and we can say, "God bless it." Are you with us, Lord? We want to reach Niagara Falls. Are you with us? Where are you? God says, I don't join causes. I am the commander of the armies of God. Bow before me. Come into alignment with my purposes. Come into alignment with who I am. Take off your shoes. Have you had that experience before God before? Where you're prostrate, you're flat out before him, and you're in a place of surrender, and you're allowing him to speak his mission purposes for your life. You cannot receive assignments at Jericho if you have not consecrated yourself at Gilgal. And you certainly can't receive assignments from Jericho if you're still living in Shittim. Are you with me? Jericho. Jericho is where we trade in our shadow missions. 
our ideas for how to save the world, our best plans, we surrender them and we decide God's not on our side. We now belong to him. We will follow him. We'll do whatever he asks us to do. And his idea was quite unusual. I want all of you guys to march around Jericho six days and not say anything. My friend's wife said that was the hardest assignment God could give a couple of million Jewish guys. Like, march around the city for six days and no one talk. Okay. Whatever you say. Six days and then a trumpet. A trumpet blast. And the seventh day, they marched seven times and God did what they could never do. The walls of Jericho, the excavations of those walls, you can find them today. They're 15 feet thick, double walled. This is an impenetrable barrier. This city was very secure in its own fortifications. And it took minutes for a bunch of angels to kick those walls in. God can do what we can never do. We are living in, an, in a generation that I believe has been given an incredible, awesome privilege of joining the Lord Jesus Christ in his global mission to see the kingdom of this world become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he will reign. We are in the birth pangs of something bigger than anything we've ever seen before. And there is a wave after wave of global, I don't know what it is. It's, it's, like, a, it's like a woman in labor. Something very amazing is coming. And I am in anticipation of what God has in store for us. I don't want to be a spectator. I don't want to, I want to be a spectator. I want to be a participant in the end time purposes of God. I want to be a participant. I want to get my assignments from the king and I want to obey them. Three years ago, um, I left an assignment that I had had leading the global mission work for uh, our tribe of churches. Been doing that for 17 years and stepped into a role of leadership development with global disciples, a movement of mission training, discipleship training that is working with 1,400 denominations around the world. It's a huge cross-section of the body of Christ. And um, it is an awesome, awesome privilege. I wanted to stay where I was, but the Lord had something different for me and better for me. And I needed to leave where I was to step into what God wanted for me. When you are at Jericho, you obey the commander-in-chief of the armies of God. You will do whatever he asks you to do, no matter how crazy it sounds or feels to you. I don't know if I shared that assignment from Iraq with you before, did I? I'm not sure. Anyways, years ago, I was invited to go speak at a peace conference in Baghdad, Iraq. And uh, it was a conference on the role of the church in peace. I didn't know why God had me there, but I just, I knew I had to obey. Uh, he opened a door for my brother to join me. We landed in Amman, Jordan, got a visa to go to Iraq. It was a government-sanctioned conference. Saddam Hussein was still in power. His secret police ruled the place. People regularly disappeared. It was, it was a bad time to be in Iraq. And unless you have an assignment from God, you don't go. So I went there to officially, you know, do a paper, a presentation at this conference. Somebody invited me to do that. But I knew God had the, re the real assignment was something else. And as I was on the plane flying over there, um, the Lord took me to the book of Daniel. And he took me to... Uh, that night when Belshazzar had a banquet and a hand wrote on the wall behind him, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parsim. You've been weighed 
and found wanting. And your kingdom's going to be removed from you and given to the Medes and the Persians. It's going to be divided. So this was a word of judgment. And the Holy Spirit just spoke to me very clearly and said, you're going to proclaim that at some point on this trip. What? Okay, that's crazy. So I'm going, I'm doing a paper on the role of the church in peace. And I do, I do my thing. Third day of the conference, we're being, we're taken to different propaganda places, children's hospital propaganda thing. Saddam Tower, built during sanctions. 3,000% inflation. Money is like worth toilet paper. Money is useless. People lost their jobs, bartering all their goods, bartering their furniture, rugs, just to eat. When you're in a society that's completely collapsed like that, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's something you just can't believe. And uh, we go to the Saddam Tower, marble tower, a couple of hundred feet high, built during sanctions. When people are not eating, Saddam builds this edifice to his own glory, literally called the Saddam Tower. They want us to see it. So we come in there with his government bus, Mukbarat, the secret police, are, they're all, the, the guy's like within five feet of me all the time. When I'm in my room, hotel room, he's right outside the door. Literally, it's one-to-one secret police guys following you. You can't breathe without them knowing just what you're saying, what you're doing. So we go up the Saddam Tower, and the Holy Spirit speaks, speaks to me and says, here, you're going to announce this here. Here. Really? Yep, here. Our brothers beside me, there's a Jewish, there's a Jewish intercessor with me, okay, in Iraq. He's a prophetic worshiper. He plays the trumpet. His assignment from Jericho, his assignment Take your trumpet and worship me in all of the Arab capitals around Israel. So he says, I've been in Damascus. I've been in Beirut. I've been in all these places. The only one I haven't been to yet is Baghdad. If they found out who he was, he'd be hanging from a pole. I arranged to get him a visa. Photocopied my invitation, gave it to him. He comes in with me. He's got a trumpet. He's right on the bus beside us. I said, buddy, I think we have an assignment. The Lord wants me to proclaim something at the top of that tower. The Mukbarat guys are around us. We're at the top of the Saddam Tower, overlooking the entire city of Baghdad. Saddam's palace is right there, one of his main palace, big palace. The main mosque is right there. Hot wind is coming off the desert. Stretch out our arms. And with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, when he's on you, I'm telling you, it's like, whoa. Mene, mene, tekel, parsim. Just announce that over that city. And then that buddy of mine, who the Jewish guy, brings his trumpet out and he begins playing. Crown him with many crowns, the lamb upon his throne. When they hauled that guy out of a hole a few years later, I was not surprised. When they divided his kingdom between the Kurds and the Shiites, I was not surprised. There are assignments that will affect the destiny of nations in these last days. Have you spent time before the commander-in-chief of the armies of God? Does he know he can trust you to do whatever he tells you to do? You will go anywhere. You will say anything. That's Jericho. Have you been flat out before the commander? I believe there's assignments that he might have for some of you here this morning. Your job is to surrender and say yes. So where are you today? Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal. Remember. 
Are you living here? Do you like it here? It's time to move. It's time to face whatever obstacle is in front of you, whatever thing that you're afraid of, whatever thing. Jeremiah was terrified at the call of God in his life. He was whining and complaining. And God said, if you've, if you've run with men and they've worn you out, how are you going to run with horses? If you've lived in the safe country, what are you going to do at the flooding of the Jordan? When the Jordan is at flood stage, God can make a way. He can make a way. Are you with me? Face whatever your Jordan is. Consecrate yourself at Gilgal. Some of you are called this morning to consecrate yourself. Kneel before the Lord at Gilgal and offer yourself to the Lord. Offer every part of your body to Jesus. Receive his sacrifice on your behalf. You now belong to him. Others of you are ready for a Jericho assignment from the Lord. And he wants you to know your life is not your own. I want to use you to impact nations. Holy Spirit, I'm inviting you to speak to my brothers and sisters here this morning. Show them where they are on this journey. Show them where they are and show them what it is you're inviting them to do. We welcome you, Spirit of God. We welcome you. We welcome you. We welcome you. Thank you, Lord. I want to invite the worship team up and as we begin to worship, this is where the real meeting starts right now. Not with me speaking, but with how we engage and respond to what the Holy Spirit has said. If you know that you're needing freedom, this place is a place of freedom. Freedom from any bondage. You come here, we will pray with you, okay? We'll pray with you in any area of surrender and freedom. Come to this place in this zone here, we'll be praying for you. Come to this place, Gilgal, for consecration and offer yourself to God unreservedly. Come here for assignments. And if you know the Lord is saying, I've got something for you, come here. I want you to stand up as we worship. Come on out of your seats. Respond to what the Holy Spirit's saying to you this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, we're gonna step into what we call our lingering time. And it doesn't matter what you're doing right now, whether you're working out, running on the treadmill, driving your car, sitting at home, shopping in the mall. It doesn't even matter what you're doing. The Holy Spirit wants to speak with you. He wants to connect with you. He can transcend anything going on in your environment. And so I just want to invite you even now as, um, as you sit with what you've just heard, I want you to just in, invite him to speak to you. Just even in your heart right now, I, I want to invite you to ask him, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me? What do you want to say to me? Just invite him in. I give you these moments of my space and my time. I want to hear from you. He wants to talk to you about what you've just heard. And so I want to just invite you to ask him a simple question. Where am I, Holy Spirit? Are there areas of bondage that you want to bring into the light in my life? Are there areas where I'm, I'm sitting in Shittim and you're calling me out of habitual sin, of demonic bondage, of engagement with the occult, anything like that? Holy Spirit, would you just speak to us about any of these places in our life?
some of you, it's not areas of sin and bondage. There are things in your life that may not even be sinful necessarily, but there are areas of your life that you have been withholding from God. The invitation at Gilgal was to consecration. Would you offer me all of your life? And we can offer God many things, many compartments of our life. For some of you, it's the priority of your time, the value of your time, your schedule. And the question for you is, Jesus, how would you spend your day if you had my family and my job and my responsibilities, my children, my marriage, whatever it is, how would you order your day? How can I offer you? Can, how can I consecrate my day to you? For some of you, it's not about time, it's your bank account. God is asking you for access into your bank account and your resources. For some of you, um, that, that actually means beginning to tithe. You are not consistently giving God your first 10%. And for some of you, you're, you're haphazardly giving randomly as you see fit and God is calling you into a consistency and a regular sacrificial giving of your first fruits. And for others of you, you give regularly, but you give what you can. And God is inviting you to consecrate your financial resources by giving him at least your first 10% as an act of devotion. For others of you, it is how you um, engage with content. It's the stuff that you're taking in, the time you're spending on your social feeds or Netflix, the series you're watching. God is inviting you to consecrate your eyes and your ears and your mind from the things that you're filling it with. I wanna just invite you to ask the Holy Spirit, is there anything that you are inviting me in my life to bring to you, to give to you in consecration? Lastly, for some of you, you have submitted and surrendered your whole life to God. You're not walking in bondage to sin. You need to hear and receive from the Spirit a new assignment. You need to know, God, where's the Jericho in my life that you're calling me into? And so I want to invite you to just ask him, Holy Spirit, what is your assignment for me? in this next season? What do you want me to know about the assignment of the King for my life in this next season? begin to move from hearing these things to now walking in them. Father, we want to commit ourselves to you today again. We offer our lives to you as a living sacrifice. And I'm just asking Holy Spirit that you would supernaturally empower everyone under the sound of my voice that you've been speaking to, to begin to walk in these things, to begin to bring them into their very real everyday life. Our desire, Father, is to be living cathedrals of your kingdom presence and life on the earth. Our desire, Father, is to invade the earth, to be a part of your plan, to invade the earth with your kingdom. Father, would your kingdom come and your will be done in our lives as it is in heaven. Amen.